Next Generation Innovators is recorded on the lands of the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of this land. And we pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hello, I'm Alicia Stevenson, your host for this episode of Next Generation Innovators, a future women podcast in partnership with Oz Industries Entrepreneurs Program. Each week, we tap into the stories behind some of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs and how they've scaled their ideas into global businesses. Yetta Rawadi is a co-founder and director of Slyletica, a full-service fashion agency that specialises in building activewear and athleisure brands through custom manufacturing, original garment design, marketing and brand development. Slyletica currently services over 155 clients from over 12 countries. Yetta Rawadi, welcome to Next Generation Innovators. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Let's start at the beginning. What was the catalyst for launching Slyletica? So we had our own, I guess, athleisure brand early on. And I guess we suffered a lot of pain points with that, you know, with, I guess, the we, we were using outsourcing designers and factories and marketing agencies, none of which who could actually communicate with one another. So we were always finding that our message kind of got lost along the way and our finished product was never quite right. We also had quite a lot of interest from other brands on our, on our apparel because we were kind of positioning our clothing around gyms to try and sell it. We had a lot of gyms coming to us asking if they could kind of co-brand. So kind of to build that community for, for, you know, having their client base to wear their clothing. So naturally realizing that that actual offering wasn't around, like a full service agency who can provide that kind of end-to-end solution for customers and feeling the pain points ourselves, we naturally decided to just quit our jobs and start it. (laughs) You sold your homes You left really secure corporate jobs to make the business happen. What were you feeling at the time and how confident were you in those early days that Slyletica would take off? At the time, I was like, yeah, this is happening. We're going to do this. And then I guess slowly, you know, reality sinks in and you kind of fight or flight sort of thing <laughs> happens. Yep. It was definitely really tough in the beginning. We, you know, as you, as you mentioned, we sold our homes, we kind of quit our jobs. So we both had really awesome incomes before this. Um, so, you know, there was definitely a lot of tuna cans eaten in that yep. process. <laughs> I think it took us quite a few years actually before we realized that we were going to we were going to actually make it and this wasn't something that was just going to end up flopping. I mean like as late as we probably only realized uh, how much of a success it was going to be like late last year when you know when when the inquiries just kept rolling and they were converting into actual clients then those clients were growing and ordering more so it took a while before we realized and probably the three and a half to four years in between that, they were amazing and scary all at the same time. It is. It is such a high level kind of commitment that you make when it's a brand new idea and it's a brand new business and you're the only people kind of in that space. You know, you kind of live on adrenaline, I think, alone for multiple years. And so I think a really important question for you, though, having all of these people come to you and and wanting to build their own brands, you would almost be an expert in being able to explain to us and to the entire audience 
What's the main issue that you saw people struggling with when they tried to launch their own activewear brand? It's a really good question. I do get asked this a lot. Seeing so many brands launch, so many succeed, you kind of, I I guess I'm a really scientific person as well. I really like to understand exactly what went wrong, what went right. There are so many factors involved. I think cohesiveness is a huge one. Often, you know, there's a lot of people who want to try and do certain bits and pieces themselves and then they want to go to an agency, you know, this agency does this, this agency does this, and you, you get this like really lack of communication between all people involved and, and a product in the end that doesn't actually look like or, or feel like what you're trying to create. So, yeah, I think, I, I think you know, making sure that cohesiveness is happening from the from across every element of the label from the design all the way through to how your customers are communicated with all the way through to what does my package look like when I when a customer receives it Mm -hmm. you know what does my branding look like what's my message why are people even buying from me all of those things really need to be thought out so I feel like a you know a huge pain point was was not not having someone who can just look over the whole thing from a high level point of view and say hey this is what you're missing Saying, this is what you need here like let's do this here I think you know that on the other hand we we work with a lot of influencer and celebrity clients who for them a really large pain point is they want freedom they they want to take the creative director seat and they don't want to do anything else that's kind of involved in in running the business which is amazing because they're all such incredible creatives and so for them it's it's a hard thing to do to find an agency or a person that they can trust and rely on who has the knowledge and experience to actually build it out for them because really they're giving their name to you and trusting you with it you know in order to create this incredible product one of the major success factors in this is the fact that you house under an umbrella so many different descriptions of services for over 155 brands and then have done that so phenomenally well. (laughs) But you've brought all of those services in under one brand and done the research to be able to make that something that is a really cohesive process, that each process works unto itself, which to me makes tremendous sense. And I often think about with um, startups and with really successful businesses, how it is just such simple ideas like that, that bring all these things together, mm. where when someone like yourself, Yetta, explains it, you're like, of course, that is exactly the way that that should run. <laughs> and the reality of it was that you discovered that only after realising that that wasn't something that was occurring in the market. Then I suppose the interesting thing is there are so many moving parts to this business, like we mentioned. There's branding, product design, there's sourcing, sampling, there's manufacturing, marketing, e-commerce and fulfilment. Is there a component of Sly Ledica's offering that's proven to be the most difficult to get right, considering the fact that you've had to answer all of these things? Great question. Um, I do think that the product development is probably it's probably what the biggest pain point is for people. I guess as a, as if you average if you average it out, I guess again for your entrepreneur, the brand development is a really difficult part, and where I guess our marketing and brand development team really really help. But if we look at an average, I would say the product development is the hardest. You know. It's difficult to know who you're working with because they're in another country. They might not speak your language. Are they trustworthy? Are they going to run away with your money? Are they even ethical? All these questions that nobody knows, 
And for us, we we have such a, we take so much pride in the factories that we work with. We audit them, we visit them, we know them, we've met all of them and we're constantly expanding our network and they go through such a full-on process before they can be one of our factories. So for us, I think, you know, we, we take it so seriously and, and I feel as though we really make people feel comfortable when they're working with us. On that note, how did you even begin to decide where you would go to get these manufacturers, where you would go and what what level of requirements you would need for them to be able to meet not only your standards, but then standards that you could stand behind to say to those people, those 155 brands coming to you, hey, we've done the homework here. We know that this is a good way to do it. How does that even begin? It's an evolution for sure. Um, I guess in the beginning, Simon and I just knew what we stood for and what we wanted. Um, you know, we wanted to to make sure that our factory workers got paid well, that they weren't kind of working excessive hours. That was important to us and things like that is what we started looking out for in terms of, you know, what country did we go to? We went to a variety and we actually researched quite a lot about which country is good for what, you know, every country has a specialty and there might be, for example, people who really want Australian made, but Australian made is not where stretch garments are are at. That's not where our specialty lies. And you can get Australian made, but you're actually going to have a lower quality than getting it made, for example, in an, in a, in China, for example. So for us, it was really important that we're dealing with the specialists in the industry for whatever it is, or every, every kind of area has a, has a, has a specialist, a country that specializes in that. And for us, it was the values that we stand behind. And I think something that Simon and I are really good at is listening to the feedback of our customers and what's important to them. So as we were growing, we were asking what's important to you? What do you need? What are you after? And then basically our, our level of checking and who we onboarded got more and more strict and it then further to that, we, you know, we've hired industry experts to to work along in our Slyletica team who who have the background of, I guess, working for the giants. They really know like what are the audits that we need, what what do we you know, they know that they specialize in those things. So it's a development process. <laughs> it's an evolution, Yetta. Definitely. How do you I'm really interested in the experts because all the startup greats that I've ever met, whether they be five years into their startup. 10 years, five months, all the greats have found the right advice and have pulled that right advice in and have appropriately listened to it and been able to decipher whether or not that advice is useful or useless. And so I think an important question is you've mentioned these industry experts. You don't have to say who they are, but how did you go about finding them? We have such a unique business model and industry experts, I guess, in, in the form of mentors is probably not where we went. That's not the route we went down because we we did try it and we felt that they just really couldn't quite grasp us as a business. And so although they were making suggestions and we were listening to them, that we deep down inside, we just knew they were wrong for our business. I'm a true believer of, you know, really listening to what's inside and it doesn't really it doesn't always matter, you know, the the most expert person tell you something and if it doesn't sit right with you, you shouldn't really necessarily go down that route because it, it might there's a reason it's not for you. And 
And so we didn't go down that route. We've hired as part of our management team experts. So, you know, our head of product, our head of marketing experts in their field, heaps and heaps and heaps of years experience working for for the giants in the industry, understanding the understanding our business model and and you know that they they live and breathe what we do and they're an incredible team and from there you know they they then give advice and that's kind of what we take on board and a lot of the time we'll take it on board and sometimes it might just not be right at the time and then we don't but you know to answer your question I truly believe that before listening to experts sometimes depending on your industry if it's if it's a simple industry that that's quite like you know popular that it's it's easier to listen to experts industry experts um but you know if it's a little bit more complicated i truly i'm a true believer of having people work and immerse themselves inside your business model to truly understand what it is that you need and then give that advice yeah i couldn't agree more and in fact that's been quite a lovely line that's been pulled through from a lot of the startups and a lot of the fantastic entrepreneurs that we've spoken to who have said I have sought out advice from people and I have I've looked for it. And in the times when it's important, I have taken that advice on board. But I have chosen to believe what I believe and to choose the thing that I believe is right for my business. And I think it's part of s- sort of the magic of what makes a great entrepreneur is somewhere deep down you're like, um... No, I, I, I think I think I'm gonna go this way and I'm not sure whether it's right or wrong, but I just believe that this is the direction that I wanna take my business, which is amazing. Now before you mentioned China and you mentioned mm-hmm. that all of your manufacturing happens there, how has COVID impacted your business? I imagine on the one hand it's been advantageous, given the fact that we're all wearing active wear at home right now. I'm wearing it right now as we record this podcast. I'm very comfortable. (laughs) It must have thrown a global business like yours into some challenges because you are global. So interestingly enough, uh, from the very beginning, Simon and I, part of our vision has always been to be set up online. So all of our programs, softwares, everything are cloud-based. So in terms of, um, you know, we, we have so many meetings over Zoom, over, over well, Microsoft Teams is what we use, but we have so many meetings with clients all over the world because we can't always just go and hop on a plane and, and see them. So much as I'd love to. So we've always been set up in a way that we can communicate in that way. So I guess in regards to our client base, we weren't really disrupted in that regard. Um, we could pretty easily all move into a in, into, into an online model and it worked really well because everyone was in the same boat. COVID started happening in China a lot earlier than it had happened in Melbourne. So I think, and it happened around over Chinese New Year. So we were, you know, we the, our factories were closed in that period. So it was still tough because we were supposed to start getting samples post Chinese New Year, which then had to, you know, get pushed back to after COVID. But then when they started coming into Melbourne, we got COVID and it's just, you know, a whole big COVID party. So basically we we were really lucky. We weren't that greatly impacted in a negative way. Um, once our factories got back on board, we managed to speed up and, and get on track. And us, other than that little like February glitch, our business has definitely grown tremendously in this period uh, because our clients have had so much success with online shopping, just, you know, growing through the roof. We've seen our clients sell out of collections in six minutes at this point, like huge 
huge stock levels. It's not like it's a, you know, order of 50 and, and they're like, oh, I sold out. It's like huge stock levels gone in, in six minutes. And it's crazy what's happening and it's incredible. And it's it's great for our clients because their businesses are obviously growing. Absolutely. And look, that leads me to a question about social media and you especially mm-hmm. with social media, because there's a lot that can be learned from you in this space and from Simon, of course, as well. And I'll come back to a question about Simon because Simon's your husband and you do your business yeah. together, but we'll, we'll revisit that <laughs> in a second. So nailing social media is, I would imagine, incredibly critical for a business like Slyletica. Do you have one person that manages it? Do you have a team that manages it? Are there social media lessons that you've learned the hard way? You know, when people start a new business, I suppose, what advice could someone like yourself give them about getting that social media part right in this space? So we do have a marketing team. Um, I, you know, am definitely not an expert in social media personally. Um, but we do have a, we actually have a whole team of, we, we have a whole marketing team. And so the, the social media strategy gets built as a strategy by the head of marketing in collaboration with the whole digital team. Um, and we have, uh, like an executor of social media who, whose responsibilities to make sure that like all the posts are on brand, all the comms are on brand and everything you know, is happening as as per the way we would like to be kind of seen. I think for a retail brand or any business that's starting, it's so important. People are more than ever relying on Instagram and social media for, for, for everything. It's kind of the like it's it's you know the the. The new generation and the, I guess, the people who are buying—they're not necessarily on magazines anymore, and they're not in—they're not on the newspaper anymore, and they're not, you know, they're—they're they're, they're on Instagram, and that's where they're getting all of their information. If they want to go and find, you know, anything, they go on Instagram and they search for it there. And so it's—I think it's really important. It's probably one of the key strategies that that's important for any brand to succeed is a presence on there having you know your page look and and represent your brand in the right way but also you know having your product on influencers is important as well because it kind of like gets gets your brand out there we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after a message from our partner oz industries entrepreneurs program The Entrepreneurs Program can get you from where you are to where you want to be. Our team of independent business experts can help you bring your ideas and innovations to life. We've got the tools and the networks to get you on the way. And you may be eligible for funding to make it happen. To find out how the Entrepreneurs Program can help you take your business to the next level, visit business.gov.au forward slash EP or call 13 28 46. Welcome back to Next Generation Innovators, where my guest today is Yeto Rawadi from Slyletica. I do a lot of work in generational dynamics, and we live in in as millennials and and sort of even Gen Zers to a to a degree and Gen X, uh, sorry Gen Xers to a degree and Gen Z. We live in a review culture where traditional marketing styles don't really play as heavily as they used to within these within these kind of industries. But we will trust more so an average person that we can see, a la an influencer, who's wearing something who says against their own brand, 
right? So there are, you know, there are consequences if they recommend something that's not so good. We live in that review culture. And, you know, there was, there are just so many companies that reiterate that, that phenomenon and that sociological kind of understanding, like Airbnb, like Uber, like, you know, we trust people that say that something is good. And that is Mm. the really important part behind things like Instagram. People really like when they do see an influencer and they can really resonate with them, that's how they build that trust and the credibility. You know, you won't you won't resonate with all of all influencers and they're the ones where their profile might look really cute and pretty, but you're just not you're not connecting. And so they're not gonna be the ones where you develop that trust. Um, but then they mm. will be the ones that are and 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 influencers do a great thing. They build a community. So that community is what makes people so engaged because we've seen it. We used to do it, but, for example, we used to have gym communities and those gym communities have now moved into online influencer communities and people need to feel a part of that. Look, Geta, this might be a question more for your marketing team, but I don't have your marketing team on this phone call. (laughs) I would love to get them on here. I would love to have six of you or however many there is in this conversation. But how, just on that, how do you identify, seek and consult with or or, or sort of, I suppose, bring into your brand influences that you believe match you? How does that happen? No, it's such a good question because, um, you know, when we were starting our brand, um, sorry, do you mean us in particular or just yes. a general well, question? Yes, uh, well, either Slyletica or uh, the assistance that you've provided one or many of the 100 plus, 155 plus brands that you've worked with, um, what is the first step, not to not to kind of break down the entire how do you engage with influencers and commercially how does that work, but... How do you begin to find or to seek out or to look at an influencer that will match you, that will help your commercial success as Slyletica or as one of the 155 brands that you work with? Whatever sort of, whatever takes your fancy, get up. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I guess, you know, two different, two really different answers because um, I guess as Slyletica, we don't necessarily um, do influencer marketing. Um, I guess our clients speak for themselves. Um, So we've been really lucky that most of them have actually found us. Um, But as a brand, uh, if I was giving any advice on how to seek out the right influences, I would really say that once you know your brand identity and your brand message and who exactly is wearing your clothing, you know, like imagine her, him, whoever it is, and then you need to find out what influences match that aesthetic and that personality and they're selling that vibe. You know, if if you've got Pilates clothing, for example, you need to go and find influencers who who live and breathe that, who have that aesthetic, who wear that day in, day out so that it's kind of otherwise you end up putting a product on someone that it doesn't match and it just kind of looks a bit weird Mm. and you start looking, you start thinking like, is that real or are you just getting paid to do that? And do you really like the product or not? So once you, once you get your, once you get your influencer right, you stop questioning whether or not their review is real. It always becomes authentic because the actual connection is right. I promised that we would swing back around because I'm interested in yourself and in Simon because 
We have a lot of fantastic female entrepreneurs that come through. Some of them have partners and some of them don't. And some of them have professional partners who aren't life partners as well. But I'm always, and and dare I say, specifically and, and um, wholeheartedly interested in those who are both romantic and professional partners. Your business partner is Simon. Simon is your husband. Tell me what it's like. How do your strengths complement each other? Do you argue about different things? Give me an insight into what that's like because my partner's fantastic. Could we work together in business? I adore him. He's the most understanding man on the planet. No, we couldn't. So (laughs) tell me the magic behind that. We started off as best friends probably 15 years ago, maybe even more. Um, And then, you know, we started our business and then we actually got together so oh, I didn't I, know that yeah oh, so wow. I feel like okay. that that might be the magic is that we've been best friends for so long that it's mm. kind of like working with my best friend like we're constantly laughing and having jokes and that's kind of what makes it amazing um that you know we know each other so well and we kind of we really complement each other you know he's like an incredible business owner he's definitely well and truly a visionary CEO um, and he does that so well and I'm very much a details person so I'm like in the nitty-gritty and we, we complement each other in that way you know obviously there are times where we have conflicted opinions and they can get heated um, <laughs> but we work it out and you know they sometimes we can have the same you know the same conversation but you know I, I think communication is so important and if you can communicate with your partner you're going to be able to succeed in every way whether it be in business in romance in you know in your relationship and friendship in anything because you know being able to articulate why it is that something doesn't sit right with you why you want to do something why you're upset whatever it is is it's a beautiful thing because the person on the receiving end can understand and 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 you know answer explain or or whatever it is so i love working with simon um i honestly can't imagine not working with him. You know the hidden little piece in there that you said very quickly that I absolutely understand, which is that Simon's the the grandiose, big ideas, bold, here's the bit where we're going, and you are the nuanced detail, the beautiful elements of all the things that make up your business that are the finer details. And that really sung out to me because I'm more of a Simon And in startups that I've had, you know, of the five that I've had, the four that have been successful, I have had someone who's been incredibly detail-oriented working with me to allow me to be that big aggrandizing and here are my 10 amazing ideas and okay and then walk off and then that you have an amazing yeah. person who understands Drops you. The bomb. You know, it's a match made in heaven and, in fact, where I've had or where I've spoken to entrepreneurs that have done it on their own, there's always been this pressure to be both and I don't feel mm. as though psychologically any human can be both. You can't blow it up and look at the 360 and then come in and look at the detail. You know, you either are naturally one way inclined or the other and you should always roll I believe with the natural way that you are in business and let yourself sort of run free in that and I think it's really important for the audience to understand that if you are progressing down a startup kind of route decide if you're one or the other if you're a bit of both fantastic you unicorn you go girl we love you (laughs) 
you are amazing, you know, and there are unicorns out there. Don't get me wrong. There are, there are unicorns, but for the majority of everything, maybe you're one or the other. And if you are bringing in a partner and if that is your life partner, or if that is someone who's a friend of yours or someone that you're bringing in, in a corporate sort of, in a professional sense, find the compliment to the you. compliment. You might actually be both, but I, I truly believe you will lean to one or develop into one naturally. And I think um, where where people go wrong or where they kind of almost lose lose love of what they do is when they're forced into doing the one they don't they're not naturally they don't naturally sit with. Let's look five mm-hmm. years into the future. Activewear, <laughs> athleisure, sly lady car. What does the landscape look like? I really see slowly more and more the athleisure or activewear blending into, you know, just full-on athleisure. I, I really, we, we we were in a time a while ago where, and we still kind of are where there are categories in fashion. You have denim, you have street, you have lounge, you have active, you have swim. And I really feel as though slowly, slowly, all of those categories are blending into just one category of athleisure and lifestyle where, you know, you see people going to, you know, fancy restaurants in sneakers. And in the same light, you see people Mm. going for walks in a crop top shorts and a blazer. You know, it's it's so the all of the boundaries are getting blurred. Um, You know, the, the younger generation are the ones who... I guess, are setting the trends and, you know, they now have a platform to to show these trends and basically it gives them, you know, a, a platform to show their uniqueness and as that happens, the, the fashion landscape just changes into a, I guess, into a blurred kind of athleisure. A breakdown of formality, I suppose. Yeah, as it yeah. Were. Break, exactly. Which I think every, everybody can relate to that. Yeah, everyone can relate to that. From the fact that I walk around, you know, some of the co-working spaces where we've met clients, you know, you walk around different offices, the nine offices, the future women office, and there is no definition now of corporate attire, as it were, Mm. Um, you know, especially in these areas. You see people coming in, you know, not in full-blown activewear, but it's, to be fair, versions thereof um, that that are close. And as long as you are, are neat and comfortable and confident in what you're wearing, you know, and and it's not inappropriate in terms of what you're showing, that is accepted, accepted, and you are accepted in wearing that, and that is your quote-unquote style. And I think I think you're very right in that, in that the last 5 to 10, maybe, fi- maybe 15, but that's probably pushing it a little bit, we have been allowed to define not only names around what the the style is of what we're wearing, but what our own style is and, you know, what we choose. It's an expression of creativity. That's right. And, and I believe that we are in an environment now where that is more and more readily accepted, um, you know, and morphs into things like the corporate, you know, style. Uh, don't get me wrong, we still have traditionalist corporate landscapes where there are very well-defined uh, written policies around workwear and those are adhered to. I think slowly things mm. will just kind of make it through the cracks <laughs> and yeah. then eventually it will take over. I really do believe that, even, well, in, the, even getting... in the corporates. Can I go more <laughs> specifically, what's next specifically for Sly Lady Car? We've experienced um, a lot of growth, I guess, in this year. So we're 
we we see we see more <laughs> to put it simply um, we are looking at ways to control our vertical process so you know um, bringing things more and more inside Slyletica it's something that we you know we've been self-funded this whole time and so it's something that we're constantly doing is any profits made basically going to bettering our processes making our so I guess our model more vertical so that our customers can in the end receive a better experience so for example opening our own fulfillment center um opening our own factories eventually so Mm -hmm. it's something that you know it's it's doesn't happen overnight that's for sure it's a huge not only investment of finances but time energy hiring experts research everything like that it's not just kind of it you know it's easy done so it's definitely um a major work in progress but all things that you know are are on the list and things that we're really passionate about because for us if we can control the whole process we're unstoppable so to speak and it just means that our customers can just have an even better better experience because there are times obviously that things go wrong and they're outside of our control and that's a really difficult conversation to have with someone like sorry but it's not my fault obviously that's not the conversation we have but you know it's not one that we want to have either and Ideally, we want to, you know, we want everything to be under our control so that it can be, it can be amazing end to end. Um, I guess we've been working on some new branding, um, which will be ready in January. I guess we've been working on our communication so that we're calling out to the, to the, I guess, to the right people. So that's really exciting. Branding Um, and and comms have got to be the most exciting but in my opinion, also equally the most stressful <laughs> element, I think. So stressful. Business. They're so stressful. And I, I, I almost feel like once you get it right and you get it out there and it's mm-hmm. good and you love it, mm-hmm. you're like, cool, what's the next development? Um, we're working with a few really exciting celebrities in LA at the moment. So those, um, I guess, rangers should be launching close. You can't name drop, can you? Oh, cannot. No, my my lips are sealed. One of the things that I always, I always ask, and Brooke and I always ask of guests when they come on, is what's one key piece of advice you have for people who feel that they have a great idea for business and they're ready to take the leap? That's such an interesting one. I feel like there are so many um, books and podcasts and audios that, you know, talk about all sorts of kind of key advice that, you know, that people need to, I guess, take on board when starting a business. And to be really honest with you, mine is um, make sure you're ready because starting a business is so goddamn hard. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, everyone kind of comes into it, you know, just with this, like, I guess, innocence where you just don't know what you're about to get yourself into when you Mm. haven't started one Mm. and you're like this is going to be easy I'm going to be a millionaire by the end of the year you know all I have to do is just like make a product and it's gonna everyone's gonna want it obviously and it's you know easy how many times have you heard if I just sell a thousand of them I'll be a millionaire and you're like okay (laughs) there's a huge story between now and selling a thousand 
honestly. And, you know, there are so many, there are so many ups that you go through and there are equally as many downs and they are hard and you need resilience, you need grit and you need to really want it in order to actually get through those times. Because if you, if you're just doing it to, to make a buck, it's going to be really hard for you to get through the tough times because it's just never worth it. But if you're truly passionate about it and you're really ready and you really want to make a success out of your idea, you'll be okay through those times. You'll make it, you'll make it work. You'll come out of the other side. You'll have so many things that you learn and it'll be incredible. But I, I truly believe that, you know, before you jump into anything, just make sure that you're ready to take that next, I guess that next step of life, be sure you're ready to make the sacrifices and that you're going to need to make in order to get there. Yeah, geez. Yetta, I, I, I couldn't have put it better. And and also roll with the punches when things don't work out immediately. Like it's not to say that they won't, but you will have many, many setbacks, you know, and that's what you're talking about when you're saying make sure that you have resilience and make sure that you're ready, you know, that you're just ready to deal with what's about to come at you because there's no way you can describe that to anyone. Yeah, I could not have rounded this conversation off in any more of a poetic, any more of a <laughs> just a beautifully done way. Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege to talk to you. You have so much experience in so many things and, you know, if a podcast could ever go for six hours, I feel like it could be this one, but I will be very <laughs> controlled. I will be very controlled and I will, you know, I will, I will leave it on that absolutely, utterly amazing piece of advice that just be ready. Whatever you want to do, just be ready and be open to it. Yetta Rawadi, you are a dead set legend. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you uh, everyone. for having me. It's been great. Thank Thanks, you. Yetta. See you later. See ya. Thanks again for listening. Next Generation Innovators is a Future Women podcast in partnership with Oz Industries Entrepreneurs Program. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could leave a rating and review as it really helps people find us. And make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.